All right. We prayed, but we're moving on. <laughs> All right, so we're in our workshop, right, um, on how do you homeschool successfully when you have preschoolers and you have little tiny ones and babies in the mix, how do we do that successfully? So I'm going to just hear for, um, just briefly, if you, any of you have a way that you could articulate and say, so what's your, what's your greatest concern when you look forward and saying, okay, you all have pretty young, young children. I mean, they're kindergarten age, right? First grade kind of thing, second grade maybe. And, and so, um, but with these little women, what's your greatest concern? I could ask it that way. I could ask it and say, what do you see as your greatest challenge in this context? Or what do you dread about this, if anything, right? Any, just cut it from any of those directions and tell me what you're thinking. I think mainly like if I'm creating some sort of like sensory box for Anthem to work with during, you know, when I'm trying to teach Isaac, I think Isaac will have a tendency to be distracted and say, well, that looks more fun to me than trying to practice my letters. And I'd mm -hmm. rather do what he's doing and not do what you want to teach me. So I, I think there's some resistance there. Yep, yep, and we are, we're going to address that, so that's great. Anything else? With us, um, with us, it's just, um, it's more so Luke just being really um, uh, distracting, and um, while it's mostly during um, read-alouds, so um, we, we try to incorporate him as much as possible um, in our homeschooling, so, you know, we'll, we'll do our, you know, um, praise and worship together. And then, you know, he likes music and, and he's fine. It's, it's just a, during the reading session, as I'm reading the Bible with Chloe, we're reading, we're reading her books and we could read for like an hour or so. And he is just after maybe like 15 minutes. Um, so he's off doing his own thing for 15 minutes and after then he'll come and he starts crawling all over us. And then he starts just saying, ma, ma, ma. And it's, Sometimes it gets really loud that Chloe will have to stop, you know, stop and say, mommy, I can't understand what you, you know, you're, the reading is so loud. Mm, okay. All right. That is a good one for us to talk about. So we're going to, we're going to um, get to that. And so make sure you bring that up, right? As we move along in the practicalities. Anybody else? Sarah put in the chat box, my okay. eldest getting the short end of the stick and the little ones getting the short end of the stick. There's beauty in having them both learn about patient waiting but the feeling still sometimes is there. Okay, so you're feeling like if you're giving to one, you're taking away from the other. Okay, all right. Anything on your end, Debbie? Um, similar to that, Diane, the, the distraction piece of it uh, for Mila coming from Isaiah, if he just seems to be having more fun. Um, okay, yeah, we are gonna address that because that is, a, that, that's one, but it, it's very manageable. Um, given how you've learned to parent, and I'll give you, remind you of some tools you have for that, okay? All right, let me just make some comments. I'm going to talk us through more, a little bit big picture, tie, tie back in, kind of swoop around and pull in some things from the other workshop that we have, the, the uh, homeschooling accountability um, uh, workshop, and um, just pull some of those into this context. And then by the time we get to the end, we're going to go over some just um, some of the ideas of ways that you can 
things that you can do applying what we're talking about now. There's Leah. Okay. All right. So let me remind you of this and you might want to just jot some things down. I'm not sure if I'm going to just hand you off my notes or, or not, but um, take, take notes for what you want to remember here. Okay. So remember in this process, your attitude is everything. It's absolutely everything. Okay. So um, if you're thinking that you're doing all this mothering and then on top of this, you have to add this schooling thing. And then on top of that, you now have babies and toddlers and not everybody doing the same thing at the same time. And you're thinking your attitude is layered about this. Here I am, you know, there's, there's mothering and then there's this and then there's this and then there's this. It's like somebody's just, you know, piling more and more on my shoulders. That, it, you're, you can't survive with that. You're going to resent your husband. You're going to resent your kids. You're going to go to bed and go, I love them all and I hate my life. Because it just seems like it's just so heavy, you know, when you think layered like that. If you think um, about mothering being your job, Right, and it and it's your the job that you're assigned, um, and it's the job you signed up for, and it's multifaceted. It's the same job, but it's multifaceted. Like if you were working in a corporation and you had, you know, a major job. All of you are so accomplished. We talked about this at the workshop, right? But I have been with moms, you know, who who literally have been able to run companies. And then they have two kids and they're like going, I don't know what to do and my husband doesn't take care of the children and, and I'm cooking and I'm this. I'm going, who are you? <laughs> like what happened to this really, really beautifully accomplished woman who can think on her feet and, you know, plan at all these levels. And now you moved into your home and in the mothering realm and somehow, you, you know, you're, you've just like gotten to be this weak little flower that's tipping over. So bring to this mothering aspect, this layered job that you have, the same level of, of accomplishment and you know, um, skillfulness that you have executed the rest of life at, you know, many layers of life at previously, right? So now you're going to bring that and say, this is my job. It's not, it's not separate jobs all on me, for God's sake. It's one job that has these multifaceted aspects on it of which you are completely, for which you are completely capable um, and, and then if you have that mindset and you have this growth mindset, um, you've got kind of an executive mindset, this level of determination, I, I can figure out a way, like in the workforce, you know, if you have a problem, you're going to figure out how to work it out with your, with your um, associates or your staff or whatever, right? You're going to bring that same level of accomplishment to all of this and it's going to go well. So, now, remember the next thing is that you guys are of the better late than early ilk <clears throat> with these young children. You are not the tiger moms. You are, you know, whatever. I don't even know. Sorry, I know what a tiger mom is. My, my image of that is somebody who's just going, hey, you got to take Suzuki and you got to take this math and you got to take, you know, and take you all, you know, just like, bam, I'm going for the, the brilliance in the academic realm. That's not who you are and you understand why. So just remember, write yourself notes to go, that is not my top priority. My top priority is that will define whether I go to bed at night and say, I've had a successful day, I did a good job at my job, right? Is 
in the area of character development and habit formation with your children. That is, that's your standard by which you are gonna judge if you're on the right track or whether you need to morph off to the right or the left or how do you get, get into um, working on the things that really, really matter, your highest priority. So if you don't get to the all, to the quote, academic things that you wanted to get to, but you can lie in bed and say, I saw my child peacefully receive no, or quickly return to joy, or um, work in an undistracted fashion when before they would have gone crazy if they didn't get to do what their little brother or sister was doing, right? I'm seeing these levels of maturity, character development, and habit formation. Then you just go, God, this has been a beautiful day. And, and go to sleep, right? Because that has been a successful day. So please keep reminding yourself of what matters and don't get harried over anything having to do with academics. That's not a big issue for you. Don't let it become one. It will be a drainer and a distractor from the things that really matter, okay? Um, so, but there are, now if you're gonna successfully homeschool in, in the way we're defining it, right? Um, not the way necessarily other homeschoolers would define it. They'd come at it from the academic angle. Um, the, there's, there are several things that are gonna be very important for you. One of them I said is your attitude, right? And we talked about that and you're gonna work on attitude. And if that starts to slip or you find yourself tense or resentful or angry or overwhelmed or whatever, you've got tribe, you've got me, you've got other people, start processing and figure out what's pushing your button because it's, it's, it doesn't have to be that way, right? Catch the little foxes quickly. Second thing is, the other thing that is, is really important is that the level of planning and pre-planning you're gonna put into this, both for your child's successful growth and for the activities that you're gonna do. This does take planning. Now, the moms who, if you've got like super, the, the, the point, 5% of the population of children that are like the so easy, so well behaved, so they're like little angels in human bodies, <clears throat> right? You can probably fly by the seat of your pants and just make it up as you go along and, and everything will flow. That's probably not the case for you and you know for the for the vast majority of everyone. This job that you are undertaking mothering in the way from this high view that you are are coming at it from this takes planning it takes pre-planning it takes pre-planning for um uh, what the activities are going to be um we'll talk more about that right so it takes organization and it takes making a schedule now that schedule we're going to talk more about that in a minute, but that schedule is not going to be the type kind of academic schedule where you're moving from subject to subject with the subject being the main event, right? You probably be moving from thing to thing, but you know what your main event is. Your main event is the development of your child overall, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you are going to have to function within a schedule. And um, so we'll talk about that. And then, 
please know, here's the other thing that probably ties in with that issue of attitude. You've got to know that morphing your approach or your schedule or what you do with one child and then you do with the next one. And, and you kind of go, I made a plan and it lasted for three days, right? And now I'm, I'm just such a failure. I can't make anything work. I'm trying to squeeze everybody into, into my plan and, and they're not cooperating. So this is terrible, right? That is not, you can't have that attitude. You've got to realize that everybody's growing. You're not the same mom you were today that you were yesterday, I pray. And neither are your children. As they're growing, you're changing. The dynamic is growing and changing. You have to be flexible. You have to be able to say, it's success for me to think about the next change we have to make to continue to move along and go higher. That's success. It's not failure. And if you come at that from feeling like I want to make one schedule, I want to have one approach, and I don't want to have to think about anything else again and cram everybody into it, you won't last. Okay? So just a little reminder. Um, all right. With little ones in the mix, um, every activity that you do apart from the, the large sort of um, things of outdoor play or when you're doing an outing or that sort of thing, everything you do with your child should be significantly short, significantly short. With your age children, maybe Sarah, you can go a little bit longer with Ava, but for the sake of the younger children, I wouldn't. That whatever you're doing in a pointed way needs to be 10 to 15 minutes of remember your goal is you're working for focused attention. And then we'll talk, you go, focused attention, how do I get that with a baby in the room? Short periods of time, you have a much higher success rate doing it that way. So you want to have an activity that you're doing, whatever it is, even like you were saying, Pauline, we like to do read aloud for an hour. I'm going, yeah, if you didn't have other kids, that would be nice. Or if all the other kids are with dad, or, you know, or if Luke is with dad, or you have somebody else to watch him, but to expect that you're going to be able to get an hour with a baby in the house, you're going to resent that baby and the baby's going to resent you and he's going to, his habit patterns are going to get much more aggressive because it's just beyond what he can do. It's not just Chloe now, you have Chloe Luke. That's what, you know, that's who you're working with, like as one unit. So you may get your hour of read aloud in, but it's probably going to be in 10, like you said, maximum 15 minutes with, with a complete break in between and then come in, unless you've got somebody else to cover Luke. Otherwise, it's too much to expect of him and, and it won't fly. He'll, he'll begin to be a troublemaker because you're asking, you're going beyond his capabilities. So short and sweet. Leave them laughing. Everybody has a short experience. They know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, how they're going to do it, including your little ones that we're going to be talking about. And, um, and you're in and out of it. And all of you are thinking, whoa, this day is going so fast, right? I mean, I remember with the PEC class, you know, having days when the kids, you know, like Paxton would look up and he goes, is it over? Is, I mean, is, is the day over? Wow, that went fast, right? Well, it was a long day, right? But it was just moving along in these short little clips, right? From one thing to another. And, um, and they didn't really have any big breaks in between. They were able to do it because that short. So please honor that wisdom 
don't try and push the limits. It will backfire on you. You think, oh, everyone's doing well. Let's go for another five minutes. Don't do it. Don't do it. Clip it off when everybody's doing well. Okay. Make sure every child knows the day's schedule. You probably are going to be making your schedule out over a week, and we'll talk about how to do that in somewhat of a flexible way. But every child has to have a way of tracking that schedule. They need to know so they're not being moved around like a piece of furniture or moved around like, you know, the, an object of your action on them. You know, my mom moves me. First she moves me to here, and then she tells me to do that, and then she tells me to do that. That is terrible for a person's soul, right? To have no sense of, of uh, ownership of your own time and your movement and your thinking, to have it all subject to a mother, you know, who's ramrodding a child around. It, it's just disrespectful. So. Your children, even at the age of two, if they're you know verbal at all, but definitely two and a half, three years of age, those children have to have a way of understanding, even if they're only understanding what's the next thing to come after this. We're going to move from this thing to that thing. So we'll do that, but this is where we're going, right? We're going to move into that activity. So the child has a sense of, oh yeah, this is what this is what I was expecting. You know, this my my soul is flowing with this, right? So, um, I would be. I, I saw from Amy. Is Amy on here? Amy, are you on here? Is Amy not here tonight? Not right. She she's not here right now. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um. So, um, I saw Amy. She I was talking with her on Zoom, and she turned her little computer around and there was this blackboard on the wall, right? And um, had kind of the permanent chalk written so nicely like a fine restaurant, you know, on this black chalkboard that had the time spans down there. And then I guess she and the kids, I didn't get to look at it very closely, but I guess she and the kids were able to take little square pieces of paper and, and do something on them that indicated um, what was happening in that time frame, right? And then they, they colored them together and they just fit nicely on magnets. And I guess it's a magnet board too or something, right? And so the kids could actually turn around and look at that, even though they can't necessarily tell time, they can see consecutive order of what's there. And it's a good way for them to start to get familiar with time and the flow of time, right? I don't care how you do it. You can do it any way that is creative for you and feels good for you and your children. But every child in that house that has any ability to grasp it at all needs to have a sense of the schedule. And I'm gonna push it even a little bit farther and say, it's probably a good idea to do with the, with children who are a little older, who don't just go from hour to hour, day to day in their mentality and their thinking, but the, but the children who are a little bit older and have a greater concept of time can actually understand the flow of several days in a row. They can, they, they can understand the flow of the week <clears throat> right? And what's going to be included and what's in which day. And you can do it in blocks of time. Not that it doesn't have to be to the letter of the law, but it needs to stay in order. God willing, barring really unusual circumstances, and it needs to stay in a basic time frame because that orders everybody's soul, the child's as well as yours. And nobody's caught off guard. Everybody knows how to flow successfully with what's going on. Okay, any questions so far, any comments?
comments you want to make or anything you want to bring up? Okay, here's another practical um, suggestion. Really important suggestion. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna say like it's a requirement, but it's a really important suggestion. <clears throat> Here is the important discipline to cultivate, and it will be a discipline to cultivate. But once you get it, it's like it just creates this level of peace in everything that you'll you'll love. That is set your you went through the workshop before the accountability and support workshop right so you know what i'm recommending in terms of you've got your planning day you've got a backup planning day right the time that you're going to do it and it's right on your calendar and you adhere to it you know how much time you're allotting for your planning and then you've got your checklist of things that you're getting done and you've got your overview of what you're working right it's it feels tedious but it's just freeing like crazy from all of the crazyville thing that goes on in your soul if you don't do it. So here's part of that. Know what you're doing. You've got your schedule made. Set out your materials the night before for the next day. Have them all organized. You've got it down where, you, you know, so when you're making your plan for the day, like what I did with the PEC class, I had one master plan and then I had a little margin over there. And in there, I would have down all the materials that I needed for every subject. And they would be out. I would get there early. They would be out on that desk at Sarah's house, right? They would be spread out in the order that we were going to do them. All the materials were there. I didn't have to go, wait a minute, you know, I just, excuse me, I just have to go get this or oops, I forgot that. Everything was there. I double checked it. I, I knew what I wrote down and I came back and checked it um, before the class ever started. So it was all there. And as we did things, when there was any break for me, then I would tuck those things away, right? So you're going to set out everything the night before. Remember, my highest recommendation is that you're having your children set the table for breakfast. You've got your meals planned out. Those children know what's for breakfast tomorrow. You're not going to have a discussion about what's to eat for breakfast and who wants what. You know it's it's oatmeal on Tuesday morning and it's strawberries and they're already washed and picked and they're in a little container in the refrigerator and the oatmeal, the children know to put the oatmeal on the counter. We talked about all this. So you know, they've gotten ready for breakfast, the table is set and you and perhaps your older child working with you because you love to have them owner owning everything. So they know, they're looking over the schedule with you tomorrow going, oh, we're going to read this book? Yes. Can you get that book, honey, and put that one right here so we have it and we don't have to race around for that one, right? So that's over here and they know what they're going to do for their math manipulatives and they know what they're going to be doing. You know, what do they need for their their um, nature study or oh, we need to have the magnifying glass and we wanted to have this picture of the butterfly and the parts of the butterfly, right? And this book goes here and everything is laid out. And you put your head on the pillow, you wake up in the morning and you don't have a knot in your stomach going, oh my God, you know, how do I get everything together? Well, now the baby decided to cry and my, my time to organize that material is not there. Please, please, please trust me on this one. If you'll just do it and help yourself do it for several months, it will be a lifestyle that will serve you for, for years and years that will work well, all right? So you're putting everything out the night before. This includes 
for your children, including the little ones. Now, the baby's a different thing, but even with the baby at this point, right? Um, you're putting out, the children have out at the end of their bed or on a little chair in their room or whatever. They have the clothes they're putting on in the morning, right? With the socks, with the shoes, with the everything is there. If you can go this far and the, in the bathroom, things are laid out. They've got their toothbrush laid out, you know, for the morning, what they have to do. And then when they, after they brush their teeth, then it goes in the drawer. Everything is out there so everyone can move smoothly. Everybody knows what expected. Nobody has to run and go, Mommy, I can't find the pants. And, and why, you know, was that one in the wash and all of that? It's crazy, Bill, and you'll hate your life, right? So just take this and, and do this, okay? All right, for each day's planning on what you have written out, for your own peace of mind, star the things in that day that for you need to happen for you to feel good about your value in mothering and the, what, that you have really accomplished the necessities, the things that you highly value that you go this if nothing else happens if everything else falls away these three things need to happen in this day right and you've got it starred then you go to bed at night and you go did i get to those three things well then hallelujah this was a this was a successful day right okay the other things that's where you're going to flex you're going to flex on those things but not on your non-negotiables um, okay. So plan your family work times as part of the, remember our curriculum is not the quote academics, although we're doing foundations for brilliance. We are learning tremendous amount, but we also understand that education is a life, the whole child. So part of your, um, when you look through our curriculum, the better late than early type approach to it, life skills is right in there. And it is right in there with Charlotte Mason too, by the way. So with life skills, um, you're going to, you, you, you've done a 10 minute um, numbers, relationship with numbers, right? You've done something 10 minutes and then you're stopping. And now everybody, including the baby, including the little ones, there's something right in there going, oh, this is the time that we are going to empty the dishwasher and put away the dishes. Oh, maybe that's already done. Or this is the time that we're going to go out and water the little vegetable plot. Or this is the time that we are going to just, you know, one's going to water, one's going to pick a few weeds. One's going to count how many peas are growing on the whatever. I, you know, whatever your thing is, we're going to sort the laundry. We're going to collect the garbage. Whatever it is, that's going to be your next 10-minute little, little jaunt, right, For on your schedule. And, and you're going to be doing that together. And that, again, breaks everybody's mentality from, oh, there's me and the little ones are doing this over there. But... No, you have these things that you're doing together and it's totally integrated in the flow of your day and it's in the schedule where the child looks at it. Oh, what's next? Ah, yes, right? What's next is we're going to dust my bedroom, right? And, and you're teaching them their life skills, right? But it's short and sweet. Ten minutes, bam, you're done, right? All right. Questions up to this point?
anything your heart is saying, great idea, but I, I don't want to do that or I can't do that or, I, you know, the pushback in your soul. I have a question. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Great. So with these like little 10 minutes, if for the plan for planning purposes, let's say there's something that can't be done in 10 minutes, like something in the garden or somewhere, could you in that same day do a 10 minute something and then go back to finish that project later in the day? So, so set it up into like chunks of like if it's sure. a 30 minute thing, could you do that? Okay. Sure. That's a great idea to do. As long as the children understand how it's working, right? And they don't go, we did that, right? But you're going to anticipate and say, no, it's going to take about 30 minutes to water this garden. Or it's going to take, you know, three tries, three 10 minute blocks to get such and such done. Then put it down three times on the schedule. And if you get it done sooner, great, then there's 10 minutes of free play or, you know, just telling jokes or being silly or 10 minutes of wrestling and ding, now we're back to whatever, right? I mean, there should be a reward if you get things done excellently and get them done sooner, right? So absolutely break those things up as long as the children know and they don't see it as punishment and, and but I did that already, right? No, they understand to get this done, it takes these three shots at it, right? Yeah, it's great. Great. And you would explain that at the beginning, right? As you're explaining, today we're doing this. This is part one, part two, part three. So that the yeah. pre-training, they already know that's expected. Okay, great. Thank yes. you. Yes, and we're going to get into that pre-training business in a second here. Okay, anything else? Okay, so when you are making your schedule, and Sarah, you've, you've talked about this, and maybe you've got your scheduling, you know, kind of locked in, you know how to do it, but I'll, I'll throw just a few ideas out here for you, and then you pick and choose. So in planning the quote, and I put school in quotations because it just makes my soul feel better, that I know you guys are not going into this academic, making them serve it, right? Okay, in planning the school times, I recommend dividing because you've got the little ones in the mix now. If you just had one child, that's a whole different ballgame. Um, you know what? I want to I just insert something here. Would you, in your schedule, be sure to write down when you have permission from yourself to check your cell phone? You're not going to carry it with you. You're not going to have it on the table. And while the children are putting their beads on the whatever, that's your time to check your email. If you do that, it is the camel's nose in the tent. And I can absolutely guarantee you it's going to make you resent your children and resent your life because you will value being able to communicate with your friend. I'll just send this quick text. And pretty soon it's one minute longer than what you thought. And then it's two minutes longer than what you thought. And then it's, oh, honey, just do that for one more minute because I have to run and go tell daddy this because so-and-so just told me this. It, it, it's, it's like a cancer. It really is. If you are with focusing with your children, focus with your children. And write into your schedule when it is permissible for you to do those things you need to do. Uh, you know, with with checking your email or, um, or or all of that. Please, please star that, okay? Same way with turn your phones off and then, you know, let people know this is my life. I'm at work. Would you just, would you take work and check your email? Uh, you know, take, take telephone calls and check your email as an executive 
at Google? I don't think so. So don't do it now either, right? Okay, in planning the school times, divide the times into blocks. Yes, you're thinking in terms of 10 to 15 minutes here and there, but those 10 to 15 minute things, activities that you're doing can be fit inside a level of flexibility. So I recommend dividing your mind and your schedule um, into big categories. So you have first thing in the morning activities, that's your first block of time, and then you're gonna write down what time your kids get up, and you wanna have your children basically rising at the same time. I mean, your body gets into a biorhythm and you want to establish that so you're not fighting it all the time. But your children, you know when they're going to get up. And then the activities of eating, dressing, family work that has to be done first thing in the day, all of that. That's what I call the first thing in the morning slot, right? Then you've got your morning, your beginning morning. And then you've got your late morning slot. You decide what the time frames are here, give or take, you know, half an hour here or there, what everybody else would do. But, you know, late morning for me would be probably like, you know, 11 to 12.30 if 12.30 is going to be your lunch or it'd be 10.30 to, to 12 or something, right? That would be late morning. Then you've got your lunch slot. You're going to define that as a slot. You've got early afternoon, late afternoon, dinner dinner. Um, slot, time slot that includes whatever has to surround dinner, pre-bedtime and bedtime. Those are the slots that I put down and that I define a time frame for, right? What I mean by those time slots. Now you're going to take the things that you want to accomplish and you're going to take and plug them into there. Okay, in, in um, the morning, morning time. Um, this is going to be when I, we're going to plan to fit in our, our read aloud or we're going to plan to fit in the 10 minutes of math or something, right? And I've got a little wiggle room. Like I know Pauline was saying, um, you know, she's got her time schedule down, but it's almost a little too tight because with Luke, she can't really keep to it. Then you feel crummy because you go, I'm behind schedule and everybody feels the tension, right? <laughs> so don't don't make it so tight that you can't just slide a little here and slide a little there put it in a block of time time frame and then nobody's rushed and and if you're feeling pressured plan less just plan less life is long enough just plan less okay all right important points with little ones in the mix have a week. If you're going to say, okay, in your mind, I'm starting my quote official home schooling um, the week of September after Labor Day. The week before that week, plan a week of quote pre schooling, pre training schooling. So you're going to think through all the things that will help your time with your children run smoothly. And that one week, yes, you're gonna be doing some reading books and doing a little bit of all these practice, you know, these sort of activity things, but they're not gonna to matter to you at all. What is gonna to matter to you is how your children go about it, how they learn to flow, how you all get used to a schedule, 
how, um, you know, what, what are the, the nuances of how everyone just begins to feel comfortable with how you're going to be doing life for the next block of months. So it's a week ahead of time where you say, this is a week to train myself and my children. My husband comes in on, you know, how he's, he's training himself, right? And, and all of this, we are training in living um, a compatible and peaceful lifestyle. And now in here, I know what I'm going to be trying to train. But I'm taking a week and the whole process, the whole point of that week is just to get everybody up to speed and comfortable with how life is going to run. So you're not trying to do that on top of introducing all your new activities. You see why that's so valuable? Okay. All right. You can work on these with your children, um, but primarily you're going to be shaping the behaviors of your littlest ones because the little ones, right? You can work on it with all the kids, but I am assuming since you've gone through the parent coaching and you know, you've got your, your lists and we've talked it all through that your children have pretty much at your school age children that you're considering in your school now, right? Um, that they are, they, they have, they're attentive when you call their name, they are um, responsive and they give you eyes, they are able to follow instructions and readily obey, they are able to do red light, green light if they're in the middle of an activity and something's happening with the baby and you say red light, they freeze, right? Um, I'm assuming that they eat in a very proper and mature manner and they're able to sit I am at the table and carry on a conversation in a meaningful way. It's not a little horse eating at a trough. I am assuming that um, your children are, are um, what was the next thing I was thinking about for their skills? Um, oh, that they are very appropriate with your furniture. They are not wild Indians, that they, they know that bottoms are for chairs. They sit on chairs. They're not hanging over the arm. They're not flopping on the chair as they go by. That they treat your chair the way adults treat, they treat your furniture the way adults treat furniture. I am assuming that they use walking feet in the house unless you have given them permission to run because it's a game that is, has a time, a beginning and an end. I am assuming all of these things because you've been with me for a long time and I'm assuming that you've done what I said, right? If that's not the case, get on it fast because every one of those things that you haven't mastered and nailed with your child is gonna come back to bite you in the rear as a homeschool mom. You are gonna have children who are gonna climb all over you while you're trying to read a book to another child because they're used to putting their feet and their knees all over the furniture and all over you. You know, I don't know what else to tell you, except you didn't do what I said, right? Because if you did, that child would be able to sit next to you and sit still. And if you have problems with that still, come back and talk to me and I'll tell you again how you can work that out with your individual child. Master that, nail it down for the sake of your child and for the sake of the fact that you don't want to be irritated with them all the time and you don't want to see them as the enemy. You want your life to be running in a compatible, smooth way. These, all, these things need to happen to not have Crazyville in your house. 
okay? So now you have these little ones in the mix. This is the time when you are gonna be training these little ones in the way that you have trained your older ones who are now able to be models for the younger ones, right? So in this week of your pre-training week for school, you can actually, if your older child or children, if your older child is not struggling with arrogance and mockery of their younger child, insecure identity, right? If they really are, you know, they're in a better place than that, right? Then they can actually, you can actually say, Do you remember when I worked with you, daddy and I worked with you so that you could learn this wonderful skill and this grown-up skill and this grown-up skill. Well, it's time to treat, to teach Luke this, you know, or it's time to treat, to teach Milo um, the same things that you were learning. And so he's going to be looking, you know, he's going to be looking to you. And every time um, I think it's wonderful the way you sit on the furniture, because now we're going to have to teach Milo to sit like that too. So he can sit quietly with us. So even during this week, but you should be working on that all now with your little ones, right? The same mastery list that you have, you're going to be working with the next one and then the next one. And they all just sort of feed in and they actually move through it a lot faster because they have an environment where that kind of right behavior, if you have, if you have older children who are throwing fits at the dinner table and not eating and you're still going, well, you have to eat your beans and, and you know, no, you won't. And uh, you're sitting at the table, fat chance you're going to be able to choose, you know, to teach your second and your third one in that environment the proper way to handle it because the atmosphere is sour and the first one didn't master it and now you've got a real challenge on your hand you got to work with everybody at the same time it's a much more uphill battle okay so this week that you are doing before you start school this week is going to be all about establishing those things so little children very little children can learn to sit quietly beside you while you read a book for five minutes, depending on how long they, how old they are, for 10 minutes, right? 15 minutes is stretching it for babies, right? But, you know, a two-year-old absolutely should have the capacity, if they're not neurologically challenged, to be able to sit quietly. And the way you do that in this pre-training time, if, and, you know, just to remind you, is that you find a book that that littlest one really likes, you know, Thomas the something or other, or the blue truck or the whatever thing they loved, right? They're, they're, maybe it's their little, their cardboard books or whatever, but the one that they always gravitate to. And now you've got your older child sitting next to you, you've got your little child sitting next to you, or even on your lap, right? But you're gonna read and the only time the words get read or the reading goes on is when everyone is perfectly still. Anyone starts to move and your voice stops and your face freezes just, you know, in a pleasant way. But the whole thing stops and they're going to be going, go on, mommy, go on, mommy. And you go, oh, my. But reading, you don't say sit still. You say reading only happens when we're all very still so our brains can work. And then everyone goes, oh, well, okay. And you just train that over and over again. And you don't ever break it. You don't bomb your way through when a child is going, bleh, bleh, bleh. no, all stops, right? The child, everyone's still. And then pretty soon it's just everyone's neurology to in the, in the midst of reading to be sitting perfectly still. So you're going to check on that during this, this training week, but you should be working on that 
all the time, you know. Um, all right, I'm gonna stop and give you time again, ask questions, make comments. What we're seeing in our household is that um, instead of the older one influencing the younger one, being a good role model, the older one is um, following the lead of the younger one. And we're seeing um, a lot of things regress because of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are you trying with Chloe? So some things like, for example, um, you know, like being, um, like not being rough with the furniture. So Luke is, um, you know, he's mobile now. So the way he climbed onto the couch, he is putting his feet on the couch. Mm -hmm. And then he's standing up on the couch. He's so excited that he got onto the couch. And, and then so I, I'll, um, I'll let him know that couch, um, couch is for sitting. So I'll, I'll, I'll move him to the sitting position, but then he'll get back up. You know, and, and so, um, all you do kind of do that. Hmm? Then he's just go, oh my, couches are for sitting, hoppy down, and he's off the couch. The only time he gets to be on the couch is when he's doing it properly. If he's not, you're not angry. It's just, here's the borders. Here's the parameters. Here's how we do life. To be on the couch, you're sitting. Now, yes, he has to use a knee, right? But um, to get up there, but he doesn't have to jump to his feet and scramble around and then plop down like he's on a, you know, a rebounder or something, right? He can learn to do that very, very smoothly. And you just train him. So during the day, it's like, oh, Luke, we're going to practice coming on the couch. You put a little toy up there maybe or, you know, a book that he wants that's right near the crack, you know, so he's got to, he can't quite reach it or something, right? You go, is that time to come up on the couch? Show mommy how you come up on the couch. Exactly right, sweetheart. And he, you know, puts his little knee up there, his little bottom goes down and you go, wonderful job, Luke. And then you just scoop him up and sing a little song, do a little dance on the floor, do something else. All he did was practice his mature skills of how he gets up and down off the couch. Same way with getting down. Now show mommy how you get down properly, how you get down appropriately. He turns his little body, he slides his little belly off, his feet hit the ground, and you're going, you are such a big boy, right? And you don't ever, ever let him do the feet on. When he does the feet on, it's just you look at him and you go, oh my, feet are for the floor, and you put him on the floor. And it will just. A lot of times, yeah. A lot of times when I do that, he'll just climb right back on. And so we'll do that a couple of times. And then when I get tired of it, I'll just put him in a pack and play. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. When you put him off, he doesn't get to try again. So oh, okay. you can never, never, uh, he doesn't ever get a second chance. None of, you don't give your children the second chance because the second chance trains their neurology to not be sharp, to not be right, Johnny on the spot, do it right, right? They're, they're, it's like they're, they're going, well, does she want me to or does she not want me to, right? There's just this unconscious tearing, that, so they learn really slowly and painfully and it doesn't work so you just make it one way and that's the only way it ever happens so if he doesn't do it right and you say oh my feet are for the floor and you put him down and he goes to climb back up and you go oh not right now because you know feet are for the floor and so let's mm -hmm. do something on the floor and then you just distract him a la charlotte mason walk him away from the couch and go you know here's a little ball here's your let's go get your train let's go find a book in this little basket here let's go out the window look at the out the window and look for daddy 
right? But you do not let him go, oh, well, then I'll just come back up here. And after I've done it wrong three times, she'll be exasperated and we'll go do something else. He doesn't know that consciously, but his neurology learns it. So you never let that happen a second time. Once he comes up on there, you're done. He's done. Feed her for the floor. It's the end of the couch. The next time you go to sit, you go, or, or you say in the middle of the day, Luke, come on, let's practice how you get on the couch like a big boy, just like daddy, right? And whatever language he understands, he's getting the atmosphere of the something he knows couch and you go, and now bottoms are for couch. How are you gonna get your bottom down here? Yes, here's the knee and exactly, right? Would you like to read a book up here with mommy? Or would you like to hop down? And he might just go, you know, hey, we were just practicing. I got up here, I showed you I'm down, right? You go, okay, well then we'll get down. But show me how you get down exactly right. All of 30 seconds. But, you know, within a week, that will be who he is. That's how he gets on the couch and gets off the couch. No second chances. You'll prolong it for a year. Jan, I wanted to ask more about the sitting still and reading only happens when everyone is still. Because I feel like with Isaac and, and maybe a little bit with Anthem too, I think both of them can be quite a bit shifty. And I feel like, you know, maybe with some occupational therapists might use some sort of, I don't know, wobble or like a wobble ball or, you know, some type of bouncy ball to sit on or like a rocking chair or here play with like a fidget spinner or Play-Doh, something in their hand that makes them help feel settled. So I don't know if you would try to stay away from those, like, you know, have it. I would try to stay away from those. If you, if it comes down to where you go, no, their neurology is, is really just not able to rise to the level, but I would give them a really good try at rising to the level. And I would see if they're not rising to the level, I would, this is what I would do. I would see it as what am I doing wrong? Cause this child has the capability of being still if they've, if they're ever able to sit still and attend to something like you'll see parents will say my child can't ever sit still and then they'll be like this at a screen barely breathing their eyes aren't even blinking and they're there for half an hour right and i'm going what happened to their neurology did it just die because they're perfectly capable of sitting still for that half hour right it's just the mentality and the and the conditioning to the activity so, so now I, what I would do is I would start it back at two minutes. I mean, Charlotte Mason, here's your principle, right? You want full attention at whatever the child is doing for whatever period of time that you can do that for. So if it's 10 minutes, great. But if your child can't handle it for three minutes, then go for two. And that's a success. Go for one page in a book with everybody quiet and then go, wonderful job, page two coming in a little while, hoppy down. So they hop up, they do it well, full attention for what, a minute maybe, you know? They get that page, you put your little bookmarker in there and go, that was excellent. And now we'll do page two in a little while. Because I'm thinking of Light Bears Club. And say, for instance, you, you can sit cross-legged, you can, you know, sit on your knees or to the side on your hip. 
So if they, you know, sort of think in their head, well, as long as I'm in one of these positions and then they keep shifting, would you say it's okay, you know, because they're still like quiet and listening um, as long as they're one in one of those positions. I don't know if I'm getting too much into it because I just feel like Isaac shifts a lot. He shifts a lot. So I would take, Diana, I would take one place where you want to have him not shift. Let's make it the couch, right? It's not when he's... He's, you're reading to him and he's on the floor or even um, at any other, any other place. But when he's on the couch or you know, the chair, wherever you want to sit and read, and you have, a, I, I would say, if you can get a routine where Isaac is on one side, Anthem is on the other side, and for them at this point, I would just say, oh, you're on my right and you're on my left. That's the way we read. So nobody's going, but I need to be on this side or I need to be on the left. It's like, nope, that's out of the picture, right? Decisions don't need to be made. Always you on the right, always you on the left, right? So you've got that. And then on that couch, you are expecting full concentration and no fidgeting. And you're going to shorten it down to where they can succeed at that and successfully end it before they fidget. And like I say, one minute, one page, you've, you've nailed it, right? Now let whatever else goes on, but every time they get on that chair, that couch, one on one side and one on the other, and you're reading, then you're gonna go, do you think that we can make two pages and everyone sitting exactly still and quiet? And they're gonna go, yeah, I think we can do it. All right, come on, let's try, right? And then if they start to shift the leg or twist you and you go, you just stop with a you kind of a pleasant look on your face and go, first you would tell them, oh, mommy can't read if there's any moving. And you just do a silly face like you're looking up and you're waiting and then they'll all go quiet and you go. And then the car went up the hill and you just keep reading. And then within, 30 seconds or something, you're done and you go, that was outstanding. Did you see how still you can sit and listen? This is wonderful. One of these days, we're going to do three pages in a row with just quiet sitting. And you've established a goal. They're on your team. They've got something positive. It's good to be me here with you that we're working for. And yes, we can get to three pages. And then don't worry about the fidgeting anywhere else, but nail it in that one place, in that one activity, and then let it spread like leaven. You know, you're going to be able to build on that for other places. So I would try that before I would say my kids are always fidgeting on the couch. I need to give them a fidget ball or I need to let them be, you know, playing with their toes and kicking their feet up on the floor while they read. I wouldn't do it because you, yes, they may be neurologically, you know, stressed in that regard. They also, I also may just have a tendency to develop that kind of fidgety habit and then it becomes who you are, right? So we're going to say, what's their possibility? And my guess is they have a possibility of sitting still for one, two, three minutes. And then it's going to extend to four because their body's going to go, this actually feels kind of nice, right? I'd, I'd give them a shot at it and I'd give them a really good hard shot at it before I gave up and, and you know, yielded to the other part. But that, you know, that's just kind of my best shot. Okay. All right, any other questions? 
All right, we end at 9.15, is that right? What, what time do we end? Anybody know? Maria, do you yeah, remember? 15 sounds right. 9.15? Okay, all right. Um, okay, so, um, so here's the deal. This is what you're going to be training in that in that week. If you haven't already done this, hopefully you you know you've been working on it. But if not, this week of your pre-training, you're going to be using the language with your children that you're going to be using for a long, long time, and you're going to be teaching them the meaning of it and the compliance with it. So you're going to teach your children, all of them, how to whisper. How to use a whisper voice. A whisper voice is just air. There's no vocal cords at all. It's only air. Children will try and talk softly with their voice on and you go, no, that's not it. It's just like a whistle. It's just air. So you're going to teach your children whisper. You're going to need that all the way along. Whisper because your, your other child is doing something. You don't want to have a loud voice. You don't want to have distraction. Your children need this skill to be socially appropriate. So you're going to teach them all how to talk in a whisper. You know, creative. I can give you three ways to work at it creatively and fun, but you can, you, you, you got that. You can think of it yourself. And if not, ask me and I'll, I'll share some ideas. You are going to master patient waiting. What exactly does patient waiting mean? Patient waiting means that a child is going to, do they have to be absolutely still and like a statue? No, but they're going to be calm. If there's two children together that you're asking to patiently wait, you remember this, they can talk quietly, define it. They know exactly what it is. Give them the experience of it. Yes, you can talk about things nicely, but it has to be in a very quiet voice. Would you reach over and tickle during patient waiting? Oh, no. You know, would you start laughing <laughs> during patient waiting? Oh, no, we wouldn't do that. It's going to be quiet voices. Sit in your spot and patiently wait until mom comes back. Right. And you're going to practice it. Here you are. Now we're going to patiently wait. Right. How are we going to patiently wait on a bench? How are we going to patiently wait, you know, for mom beside the car where you're practicing your patient waiting? So they've mastered whisper. They've mastered patient waiting. These are the things when I said, what are you going to require of your little ones? Now your big ones, we're assuming mastered these. But your little ones now, they are in school too. Here's a point I want to make to you. Please do not think of this season with your little children as finding creative ways to occupy them, to manage them while you do the real deal with the older child. I need to get you off to the side, not bothering us. If you have that, your child, your little children are going to be to you like a fly in your bedroom. You know, that always goes and then lands. And you're like, ah! Didn't I tell you to get away? Didn't I tell you to stop bothering me? Don't distract me. That's how you're going to feel about your smaller children. Stop it. I need to open a window and get you to fly out so I can do what I really need to do. Your children will feel they are extremely perceptive. They don't want to be a project to be managed or something to be set aside while you do the real things of life somewhere else. It will make them very aggressive. They will feel it and they will want to climb all over you and hang on your neck because they know they're being pushed aside. They know they're extraneous to your heart and your attention and the real deal. 
And, and you, if you have a child, a younger child who's being very demanding, it's most likely because you've fallen into a, I need to occupy and get this fly to, you know, land on the windowsill so they're not going to bother me over here where I'm eating my sandwich. That will not fly like the fly, okay? So don't, you, what you are thinking in terms of now is I am, I'm doing, quote, school because education is a life. I am doing schooling with all my children, from the baby to the eight-year-old, we are all in school. We are all being educated. So the things I'm choosing as we get move on in a few minutes, you know, to talk about the kind of activities that you can do, they are not to occupy your little ones so that your big ones, you can spend time with your bigger ones. The activities that you're going to choose are ones that you know are um, constructive, for your younger child, they're, they're actually learning experiences for that child, both in terms of character and motor skills and social skills and um, academic skills, all of that. That child is in school while your other child is in school. You're just doing that, doing it differently and you're alternating. Okay. So that, that's a real important thing. Jan, I have a question. Yeah, go for it. Um, so like today I, I had a, I prepared an activity we're doing penmanship. And um, so they're, they're using finger paints to do letters, right? Um, to make it into a picture. And so Joey, um, she got into it initially and she was doing lowercase j. And then she just started messing around with the paint. At that point, I was like, I was trying to redirect her, but um, and so I started painting on her picture the way that I would hope she would do it. <laughs> um, but um, she was just having fun and she ended up realizing, well, blue and red make purple or it just became something else. Um, now, was that, a, was that a, a, well, I don't think it's an entire flop, but um, sh how much should I try and redirect her to what the intent of the activity was or Very what that time was for? Okay. Very okay. That's not your point. It's not, at this point, it's not your goal to teach her her letters. If she happens to learn her letters easily while you're exposing her to her letters, grand, you know? But if she happens to, I mean, think Charlotte Mason, right? If she happens to be learning red and blue make purple, well, hallelujah, that's what her soul wanted to learn. She didn't care about learning J, you know? I mean, that was just not the big deal for her. So that, that's an important thing, that um, you're going to go with the soul of the child. Now, if that's a whole different thing. What she does with the activity, remember you're setting a feast before your children to let them eat and draw from and consume and grow, internalize and grow with whatever is going on in them right now. You're not the big kahuna that determines this is your time as a three-year-old or, you know, whatever, to, to learn your J. It's, it's not. You can offer them. They want to play with it. They want to do that. But she did one J. I think that's wonderful that she did a little J. And then that's all. She didn't need to do any more Js. Don't try and, you know, corral her in. Don't try and do anything. Let her have an experience. Now, the counter to that is if she began to be disruptive 
and she began to take her little purple finger and reach over at Emily and start marking on her paper or tipping her stuff on the floor or taking the paint and putting it on her face or, you know, things that are socially and, and at every level inappropriate and disruptive. Now that's when you completely intervene, right? And very peacefully say, oh my, the paints are for the paper or the finger paints are for the tray, you know, the finger paint tray. So time to hoppy down. And then you're just gonna go to the sink, wash her up real quickly. And then you're gonna orient her towards doing something else. But that activity is done. And again, just like what we were saying with Pauline, she doesn't get a second try. If she's being, let's just pretend she was starting to be disruptive and just wig out on this activity. Number one, it may have been too long for her, right? Um, so you have to rethink that and go, hmm, may need to say, you know, um, Joelle, th this is, this is where, okay, let me, let me just interject this here. You guys need to have your egg timers for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 30, and you don't need an hour one yet unless it's for you. There you go. Oh, could I have an hour to myself, right? Excuse me, my dog is in and out. All right, now you're out and don't come back in, okay? <laughs> right. so you need to have that or Sarah has this this nice big timer you know that has you set it for 10 minutes and then it shows this red and and it's quiet and it just moves down you know and then finally it does a ding I just wasn't big on the ding Sarah but I liked the other part it's ding it's not me it's like <laughs> I can't handle the ding right <laughs> um, so but but you can handle the ding and and there I saw um, small ones. They actually have small ones on Amazon that you can get. You know that that are small and the children can see that. So you you could do with Joelle. You know in that scenario you can be doing the same activity, but you say for Joelle. You know maybe you've got two of those little clocks if you need to, and you have a disparity between ages. And you, this clock has a an A on it for Ava, and this clock ha, you know has a another letter, right? And so um, you you saying okay, here's your clock, and this activity is five minutes, right? And when this is done, that's going to be the time for you to hop down. Now they're going to say you know maybe Joelle would say, but I'm not done. You go oh well that's okay, sweet pea. You know, we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll do it again another day, right? And then you're going to have her end on a high note and you're going to go and let's watch Emily's clock because she has another five minutes here and then she'll do that. But meanwhile, while she's doing that, we'll do this, right? Everybody's ending on their own high before they disintegrate. You can do it at two different time levels if the children have a way to gear time and it's not arbitrarily from their perspective being Im imposed on them by you. What do you mean you're telling me I'm done? No, I'm not telling you you're done. The clock is telling you you're done, right? This clock that we all agree to is our parameter. Ah, the clock is telling me. It's not my mom who's arbitrarily saying you're done. Does that make sense? So you need to have your egg timers and or your, your visual timer, not an egg timer, your hourglasses, not an egg timer like one that goes tick, 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 you know, or any of that. It can't have any noise and it can't just have little lines on it. It has to be like what Sarah had, which is bright red and you see the red shrinking down to a little tiny sliver and then, you know, you can see time and gear it. All right. Does that, did that help, Amy? Okay. All right, um, so here's the deal. 
you're working on whisper, you're teaching patient training, I'm gonna go fast here. Familiarity with the hourglasses or the timer and how they work, and that you are the only one who touches them. That's always been what I've taught you, that has to be the case, they never touch it or you've lost your tool. Um, you have taught quiet and walking feet. These are the things that you are teaching to all your children. The older ones already know it, but your younger ones now, your older ones are being able to help them learn. You know, um, so, so Mila, show Isaiah what, what very mouse feet are like, you know, tiny little walking feet or slow walking feet in the house. What's the difference between slow and speedy or slow and hurry up, right? So she's able to be the one who's mastered it. She can now be the model that you use to give an example to the younger one to learn and then he gets to experience it. The sitting still. Um, so you have all the language that you're using, observe observe you're going to teach the children that word observe what does it mean observe me observe your brother observe what's outside it's a very key word for successful homeschooling observe you're going to teach them the term patient waiting the whisper the quiet feet the walking feet and you're going to teach them this term independent work what does it mean to do independent work so they're going to get that down and anytime you're able to say this is a time for you to do independent work that those children automatically know even the little three-year-old independent work means i'm doing this by myself while other people are doing other things we'll talk about how not to have them distracted um, but that means you're doing this without my help um, and then you're going to give them that time reference and and the sitting still okay all right now You've got to train, especially in this week, your training week before you start the real shebang, you've got to train your student child to know that the younger child or children are gonna be moving around when they're sitting still, are gonna be doing other fun, interesting things, but they need to stay focused on their task for the appointed time for that task with or without you. You're gonna actually tell them about that and you're going to train them about that and you're going to give them an experience about that so you're going to say all right sweetie let me practice because this is really a brain thing to be able to stay focused on what you need to do while other stuff is going all around you so here's your task and make it very simple um i want you to put all these connect four little chips in the holes but while you're doing that, I am going to be, maybe they're, they're on the porch or out in the backyard or something, you say, I am going to be bouncing a ball and going all around you in circles. Can you stay focused? Can you stay focused? This is a challenge, right? And so they're going to be going all that down there and you go, now don't pay attention to me. Don't get distracted, right? And then, so one minute, they do it, you go, outstanding i don't know of any other child you know five years old three-year-old four six-year-old whatever who could keep their focused attention on that when all this distraction was going on you are so ready for school you are so ready to do advanced learning right so then you're just explaining to them and now here's here's where you bridge it you can use your afternoon occupation times or even some of your handiwork time to hand handicraft time to have your older your student helping to prepare the activities that your littler children are going to be doing 
right? So one of the activities, I, I have like 25 on a list or something for you, you know, just, I mean, it's just the start. You guys, you guys need to have a treasure chest of all these activities so you don't ever have to think about it. You can just thumb through and have your idea. I don't want you drained with having to go, oh, I need to spend an hour on Pinterest, right? Just get them now. Just keep, get a big suitcase full, right? So, so for example, one idea is two by four. You have a two by four, maybe 12, 14 inches long. You're going to take and work with your older child to take a little, a drill tip, right? And they're going to go straight down in the pattern that you want, right? little holes on here now that older child for their hand you so great skill older child feels very accomplished they're able to use daddy's drill and then they're going to take little finish nails maybe you know maybe two inch maybe even yeah like two inch finish nails and they're going to put one in each hole and they're going to have a little tack hammer and they're going to pound that in right so you wanted to have that hole drilled number one because you're going to give them a success and you don't want to have things tipping over and everything so they're going to do three pounds three pounds you may have to go back and pound them all in a little bit harder but they're going to get those in they've actually made now the board for an activity for their younger sibling to use because now you can also help them cut up these colored straws, right, in little chunks and sections that are going to be in a dish. And now they know when we're working on numbers, do you know what your brother's going to be doing? He's going to be working on the activity that you made for him. You know, working on that skill of being able to take these little pieces of, of cut up colored straw that you cut up and fit them over the nails, right? And then I put down there different ways, you know, for an older child, first it's just put them on there, right? And, it, and it's lovely fine motor skills. So they're learning great things. You can actually make a little pattern that shows that they need to do all the orange ones around the outside and fill the inner inside with all the blue ones. You know, you can take this to different levels from just I've got a, um, you know, a 24 month old who's just punking them on there to I've got a three year old who can actually learn how to do patterns and all the red ones go here and, you know, whatever. But your older child actually helped make that skill activity for their younger sibling. Now when you say they're going to be using that, they keep their focus because they already did their wonderful experience with making it, right? They've already had an interaction with it. That's one way that you handle that distraction. And the second way is that you explain to your child your job is to keep your focus. I'm going to help you learn how to do that because it's a wonderful life skill that you'll need. And so I'm going to help you learn to do that, which you will. But you're also saying to the child, you know, when we take a break or when we have free time, where is that on our schedule? Oh, yes, there at 1.30 that we have from 1.30 to 2.30 in there that's just free play. That's when, if you would like, if you would still like at that time, we can get out the four by four with the nails that you made and you can make an arrangement with the straws then. So you're not saying these things. So they just know, okay, well, it's just a matter of time before I get to get at this, right? So fun activities that you have, you have a fly swatter and you've got little tiny balloons that you've blown up and here you're working with your child over here. You think it would just drive that child crazy, but you've taught them focused attention. The child is over maybe in another room, there's just a doorway, but you've got this little one whacking balloons, you know, with a, a fly swatter aimed towards a turned over, you know, turned on its side laundry basket, right? And they're, they're doing that. Well, the other child, if you just say, Okay, on our break, the, the balloons and the laundry basket and the swatter are yours. I'll play the game with you then. 
see. And, um, or you can even play, if, if your brother wants to play or your sister wants to play, then, then you can do it together. So it's not like you're saying you'll never get to do these things. You're just asking them to learn that mature waiting and preparation and how they're participating with um, preparing the things for their younger sibling to learn and do. And the whole thing becomes a win, right? Ask me questions and, and tell me where you think that won't work if you don't think it'll work. I have a question. What's been the physical setup where it's like that's helpful when you what, have what? to uh, the, a physical setup that's helpful? Um, tell me what you mean by the physical setup. Is your home right? Yeah. So you were saying like one kid is doing something in one room and another kid like outside, or I mean, I guess it depends on the, your activities, right? It does. It depends on the activity. It depends on the time slot, and it and it um, and it depends on the ages of the kids, right? So you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to think that through creatively for your own children and your own family unit and your physical surroundings, right? And if you're in a very very tight small space, then you're not going to want to have a child and a younger child doing something super, super rowdy right under the feet, you know, bonking the, your older kid in the head with a balloon. And that's, that's really rude and torturous and, and a, a terrible setup on your part, right? You just wouldn't choose those activities. You got a big suitcase full, choose something else. Uh, I like the idea of training them how to focus. Um, but I don't know if Mila can actually do it. And I worry about trying to teach her and then having it backfire and becoming something that's she uses defiantly. Um, yeah, I would, with, with Mila, I yeah. would do it as a game and I would do it very, very short. Like I would, I would have her in charge. I mean, she, she has a sweet little sense of humor. And, and so you go, Mila, I am trying to learn how to concentrate. So I need to train my brain to stay on what I'm doing. I would like to read this book right here. But the way I can train my brain is if there's distraction going on around me. Here are these two music sticks, you know, that we pound for music. Okay, I want you to just not write in my ear, sweetie, because I'll go deaf. But would you just kind of stand like on the other side of the room? And I'm going to start to read this book. You count to 10. And after 10, just start clicking the sticks together, right? Clicking the sticks together. And I am going to see if I can keep my attention on reading this book, right? And then you just keep your head down for about 30 seconds reading the book while she's going clickety click, 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 click. And then you turn to her and you go, I did it. That was rather marvelous. You know, I was listening a little bit to your clicking but not so much that I couldn't follow the words. You know what I just read here? I just read the part where it said, and the dog did the whatever, and the lady did the something rather. Look at that. I, I kept my mind on that. So first you're introducing her to the task by not requiring it of her, right? Mm -hmm. And then you give her just some little opportunities as she's going along going, hey, you know what? 
Isaiah's going to want to be playing with these trains. And he always likes to go, chicka, 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 woo, woo, kind of thing. But I would love to read this book. Or I just like to look at this picture book. Make it real simple. I would like to look at this picture book with you, right? We've been wanting to look through this picture book. So let's see. Remember how I was showing you how you do that? Let's see if you and I together can do this. We're going to sit over in this chair while he's doing all this stuff down on the floor. And let's see if we can go through and kind of talk quietly about this picture book, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're not doing it like you're demanding it of her. Your, your life skill training um, and her ability to do it before you ever would require it where there's any level of importance or where she sees it as significant on being required to do something, right? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna bring it into that realm for quite a while until she's quite accustomed to it. You can do things like, you know what? Let's put on a little music, maybe Bach, or maybe something simpler, maybe one of the little lullabies that you know, the Bible lullabies, right? And you're gonna say, let's do that while we finger paint or while we do something. So you just get her used to saying, we can still concentrate on doing this while we're listening to that music too. You know, that'll just be in the background, but our real attention is here. It's just your language. It's just your teaching her that there's a skill that she actually has and you're bringing it out in her. And it's one that, that serves everybody well. Okay. And you're saying not to require right now, because we sort of do like, Isaiah wakes up before she does and like has had breakfast by the time she's already trying to get ready for breakfast and he will often be playing with trains and she has times where she'll just stop and watch him and so it'll take her forever to finish her breakfast because she just can't pay attention to eating. Mm -hmm. um, Can I jump in here because Jan you're saying that every or we should all try to wake up at the same time. I mean the kids right because Anthem does the same thing. He wakes up before Isaac. Uh -huh. So I thought I heard you say earlier, try to have the kids all wake up at the same time. And then, you know, circadian rhythms will adjust. Yeah, I think, well, obviously that's ideal. It's not necessarily what you're going to be able to pull off. And, and you don't want to bring a lot of misery trying to fight your children's bodies. Right. But if you can, if you can get a child to, in other words, if they get up earlier, to be able to just, and, and say, let's say Mila gets up at seven, typically, and, and um, he gets up at 6.30, right? So there's ways that you can help a child learn. That's the time when they can do something quiet. Um, he's, and, he, and you've trained him ahead of time, and you're just moving that time. You give him 10 minutes, and then he can do it. Then he's got to play quietly for, for whatever, right? And until it turns out to be the time but then you're going to have to start, you have to get her up, right? So that the times start getting closer together. You, you just set that as a family goal that you have this window, maybe of a half an hour, where inside that half an hour, the household is up, right? Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, that was just one example, but we have a housemate living with us right now. And if she's like in the kitchen, feeding her dog or like preparing her own breakfast, she just gets fixated on whatever other movement is going on. And she's not paying attention to what she's doing. And I've been trying to like keep redirecting her, but it's starting to become a little bit of a... Yeah, she's going to resist at that. So I think the kindest thing to do to her, do for her, is to get her a private place where, you know, I mean, even if it's, you know, you put, if, if everybody else needs to be in the, 
somewhere, right? She has a place where she can actually concentrate a little bit. Okay. And, um, and whether that's sometimes you can use a little screen, a little shows you screen, you know, that goes around a little corner and that you go in there and, and she's reading, she's eating her breakfast. Maybe that's when you read her a little story. So she has her mind on her breakfast and a little story um, or, you know, that kind of thing. But very gently um, try and, and control the environment where she isn't going to get reprimanded for being slow and inattentive because she'll pick that up as her own identity and it becomes habitual um and and she'll begin become resistant so you need to give her a gift of less distractibility and then this inching her way up to her skills of being able to do that okay thanks Without even knowing you're working on it right <laughs> Yeah. Okay, we are already at 9.15, and we flew through, so I probably will, um, let me just read read through these things real quickly, and I'll, I'll wind it up for you. Okay, so you're going to, um, you, you know how you're going to be preparing your children so that they're not going to be mad that they're not doing the thing that the little kids are doing. We've talked that through, right? You know how you're going to train them to use the timer and the hourglass. Um, and they know their expectations. You, you know about scheduling. Um, you're going to get your children used to calm activities with good and calming music in the background. We're talking about teaching focus here in a non-direct way, right? You're going to make sure that you have, oh, oh, this is just a hint. Be sure that you have low-sided bins, plastic bins. Um, figure out the supplies that you need. You need some, at least some, one for each child, right? Low plastic bins that you're going to be able to have them do their contained activities in um, at any given time. You can have the tops to big bins, right? Just buy the tops. You don't even have to buy the bottoms. I think sometimes at Walmart they sell them separately, right? Or something like a, a big, they have those big low-lipped um, uh, finger painting trays, right? That so they're a little contained around the sides, but children can still do lots of different activities that you're going to be doing in there. You're going to make sure you have those around. The other thing that you can have um, for these younger children that works beautifully so you're not scrambling to say, ah, do I have to cover up my tablecloth? Do I have to do this? Just put the money out and buy like a 24 by 36 inch piece of plexiglass. It's wipeable, it's not heavy, you know, you just get the thin plexiglass so it's not like super heavy and awkward. But you can, oh, you can put that on the floor, you can put that on dirt, you can put it on grass, you can put it on a table, and the child still has a place to move their toys around or do their, their messy activities, and it just wipes them clean and it stores in a little slot. So that's invaluable. Um, plan your activities for your younger children with the same intentionality that you plan the learning activities for your older students. Do not wake up in the morning and go, what am I going to have this little kid do while I try and get this other stuff done? It's part of your schedule. It's part of your planning. You know for the whole week what your schedule is, when this little child is going to have their learning times, right? And you're going to intersperse your times with those, those um, children. So because because you've got the little ones, you're not going to require of your child that they're set aside 
you're going to be actually coming alongside of them and then incorporating them back in and going and doing something. So like I said, you're going to integrate in your family work. You're going to integrate in a little time outside. You're going to integrate in if you're doing a snack time or something. So you're interspersing and that those little children are not having to work independently, consistently at all. 10 minutes at a time and then there's something else. Um, don't think of activity. Yeah, I've got that for you already. Um, all right. Um, okay, I think that's it. So, um, yeah. All right. The one of just one other hint is figure out once you get going a little bit. Figure out what your greatest challenge is. You go. Just getting dinner ready is it's just so huge. It's like this not in my stomach. I don't know how to get the dinner done, or I don't know how to fit in the grocery shopping, or I don't know how to fit in time with my husband. Or write down your big gorillas in the middle of your life to and then solve those. Work with somebody, you know, to if you can't if you're with your husband or yourself or something, work with somebody to say, how do I get this so this is not a pain in my patootie, you know, that this part of my life just won't flow. Because there's always a way to solve it. And once you get those big offenses out of the way, you're going to calm down and, and the rest of everything will work a lot better for you. All right, I sent out um, a little email to you that had um, a series of, I think, um, probably 25 different activities in there, um, things that you can do. Look over those. I, what I would like to have on the LOE site and with the archive of this workshop is I'll put my notes down. This, this recording will probably be in there um, for you to revisit or for the other ones who tried but didn't get on on the call and then I would like to have this repository from each of the workshops we do of practical things so again like I said you're not having to have that burden you finish your day your kids are in bed and you're going oh my gosh this is my planning day and now on top of that I have to figure out you know 18 different activities <laughs> that are going to be appropriate for my kids I don't want you to have to do that it's exhausting just do that in big chunks, sort of like if you take a bunch of vitamins, make your week box, right? So you're not having to lay them all out every day. You just go, oh, breakfast, got them, lunch, got them, right? And that's it. All done for a week. And then once a week, you have to set your box up. So you're going to do that same thing. But I want you to have the activities to draw from. So keep, please, the ones that you put out today. Um, we're going to read them over, see if we completely understand them. They're going to get added to this list, and, and then everybody else is going to add. And please keep adding. Also, go back to the website in that thing that we did some months ago and activities that you can do. There's a lot of things in there that you can work with, um, raise up to the level of your older child and, and modify to the level of your younger child. So there's a great repository of ideas that you have right so you don't have to spend time and energy doing that you just have to get your li your list together so you have the things you need right all right any big burning questions that you have and anybody I'll, I'll pray and then anybody can hop off and anybody who has burning questions can stay on for a while okay anybody have a question that you want to talk through a little bit more i have a quick question but that can wait till later okay all right. All right. 
it's late at night, but are you feeling overwhelmed or feeling like you got some tools that maybe could make it work for you and your little ones? Baby, let me ask one more thing. Babies, even with a um, little guy like Luke, who is walking, Annie, it, it's hard now because he hasn't been trained this way, but I highly recommend any of you having new babies, <laughs> Get those babies accustomed to a playpen, whatever you want to call it. If it's not a playpen like I had when my kids were little, you have these plastic little walls or something that go together that, you know, modular things that you can put together. Get your babies accustomed to loving that space. And I can tell you how to get them to love it if you need to. I can't figure out ways, but that will go a mile for you to be able to have them contained in a place where you, you can be single-minded and they're happy with their stuff in a contained place. Um, all right, let me pray for you and then you can anybody can stay on that wants to. Oh Lord, bless these mommies now. It's a lot, big fire hose of things. But Father, I pray that um, you would help them to hear it all as freeing and life-giving God. It, there's a lot of planning and if you're not a planner and you don't like planning, this probably sounds like getting a tooth pulled. But Lord, I thank you that you are a creator God. You had to envision things before you created it. You didn't just kind of go, let there be light. But what kind? Hmm, blue light, yellow light, red light. I don't know what kind of light we'll have. You weren't making it up. You had a plan and you created to your plan. So these moms have your planning heart and your planning mind and your soul right inside of them. So I call it forth now in Jesus' name, and I declare and decree over them, planning will be a joy. Planning will feel like, wow, that was like getting a massage. I got all that heavy stuff off my back, and I got my plan, and I'm organized, and it will just feel wonderful. And I also release over them flexibility that if the best laid plans of moms don't come to pass in that day, they can flex with it and they can say tomorrow's a new day and they can um, go to bed and say, but did my children learn something for successful living and as an ordered soul in their relationship with God and people and, um, and, and go for the gold of things, God. So I just thank you for blessing them, blessing their homes, blessing their efforts, help them, give them the grace and the wisdom to major on the majors and minor on the minors and go for the joy of it all. And um, Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. Thanks, Jan. You are welcome. Thank so you. My quick question was about, um, you know, the occupation and the management of the younger ones. Yeah. So I don't know if you heard me say earlier, like when you're like biggest challenge and I said, okay, maybe I have some sort of sensory bin for Anthem. And I don't know if that has, I mean, it's like, you know, sort of kinesthetic, but I mean, like how much value would you place on having something more intentional versus like, oh, he can play with this kinetic sand and dig at dinosaurs during that time. Or, you know, just something like not so focused on he's learning the alphabet or whatever. Oh, like absolutely, absolutely. Please hear me on that. I am not going toward, when I say intentional learning experiences, 
um, intentional learning, kinetic sand, I go, great. And he doesn't need to draw letters in it. He's, he's, he's learning, you know, how to mold things, what squishes, what it looks like when he moves his hand. I mean, there's, there's learning experiences, all of that. The point that I'm trying to make is think intentionally about it so you don't fall into thinking about, here's this sand, this is to occupy you, right? That's where it goes askew in the heart of the child and it goes askew in your heart. You will begin unconsciously moving more and more towards your, I need to occupy you or I do this other thing. That, it, it, will, it just, it backfires. So to, to stop that from happening, what you need to do is say, this thing that I'm getting my child to do independently for this short period of time while I'm also doing this, this is meaningful and this is his learning time, right? I'm not sitting him in front of a cartoon. I'm not sitting him in front of an iPad, um, you know, to just blam, because I know he'll, he'll zone out and look at the pixels, right? Um, I'm not doing that. I am intentionally giving him something that I know has some level of meaning and, and value to it, right? That's what's going to keep you on track going, I am providing a learning experience for both of my children in a way that works compatibly with what needs to be accomplished here. I am an educator for both, not an occupier for one and an educator for the other. But don't, don't fall into the business of, I've got to be you know, teaching Anthem to say the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, we're the better late than early people, right? You want him learning brilliance through his experience, through books and things and, and physical experience. That help? Anybody else? Well, going back to the whole sitting, I mean, would you always say, okay, no kids in the lap? Because then we don't want people fighting over, oh, whose turn it is. Just have them both sit at my sides. If I, I notice sometimes, like, when I'm reading with Anthem, you know, I'll have him sit in my lap. And then he'll get a little bit, like, particular because he'll want to stay on a certain page or he'll want to go back. So he doesn't necessarily want me to read it, but maybe just talking about the different pictures or whatever catches his interest. Mm -hmm. And do you have Isaac there at the same time? Um, Isaac might be around listening to the book. It, this book was like of Anthem's choosing. Yeah. So Isaac you know, if, it's, if it's just one of those times when, you know, you, he's, he brings a book to you or you say, you want to hop up and look at a book, then I, I, I would make a distinction between that and a time that you're actually, your goal is to have your children learn to sit still and listen to something and engage with it for a minute, two minutes, one page, two page, that's a different thing. If there's a time when just spontaneously um, he's bringing a book and, and he wants to sit up on your lap, that's a whole different ball game. And so you can say to him, this is a time you can sit up on my lap and you can be in charge of when we turn the pages, right? You show me the pages, sweetie, right? And I'll just, I'll be here and, and I'll let you um, show me this book. So now there's a distinction. The whole parameters have changed. Oh, well, he can just do whatever he wants, right? He can turn this one. He can turn three at a time. He can do whatever. Um, and, and that's it. But when you're doing a time when you're actually training his neurology, their neurology, 
that's a whole different ball game and you're going to be in charge and you're going to have it be repetitive where they sit, how it works so that the, the brain tracking becomes their friend. Anything else? My question may or may not be related to schooling, but it's around Isaiah just like screaming a lot. Mm. I think I think it stems from um, they use he used to just follow Esperanza with whatever play she wanted to do, but then he discovered that he can be independent and choose what he wants to do. And Esperanza is having a hard time transitioning into that. It's been two months already, and I've been trying to train them, train Esperanza to respect his space, and he's been saying space, please. And Esperanza most of the time won't. And so he's resorted to like screaming. <laughs> you know what you ought to do, Leah? One, um, one, one Tuesday night, remember that one Tuesday night a month? Coaching, yes. Yeah, yes. come on, come on and bring it on in the coaching call. Yeah. Okay. okay. That, that's, a, that's a pretty typical, you know, I mean, that's not an unusual thing. And so that would be a good thing for, for everybody to engage with. So bring it on in the good. coaching call night. That's good. Okay. Yeah. All right, anything else? Any of these ideas or anything? Questions, Sarah, you had, you know, going, oh, help me with scheduling. Is any of this helping with the schedule pressures? I think so. So I think what I'm gonna do is, I know that when I teach certain subjects like hymns or Spanish or, uh, um, or like picture study, which are the things that Nainoa really likes, that, It'll be kind of sprinkled throughout the morning, but I'll go over the schedule time with all the boys and Ava in the morning. And then if they want to come in and out, it'll be okay. And I'll just have like a little bell in case they want to come and sit so they know that it's time. And if they don't want to come, then that's okay too. But I mean, um, I think that's what I'm going to try this time. Because I would try to front load the subjects that I thought that they would want to sit in because they seem to enjoy it. But they would just get a little tired. And now that I know... Like developmentally, I think Nainoa can sit at, at most for 15 minutes in a certain subject. And so it's not I require only 10. Yeah, yeah. And all, back I don't it, want to back it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to try to do that. And then I also organized like a section or a pantry to have activities that I pull out for specific days so that they can, it'll be novel and only I can touch it. So, but I think it's important for me to go over what the morning is going to be like. Yes. And so I think that's key. And we, we actually have this Melissa and Doug schedule with magnets and they really enjoy sitting and just like knowing what the day is, what the weather is and what is yeah. going to happen in the afternoon. But I've never really told him specifically, this is what the order of what Ava's going to be learning. And like, you can come in and out. And so you know what's happening. So I think that's if kind you of want to leave yourself a little bit more flexibility mm -hmm. and you have these chunks of time. Okay. This is late morning, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to say the order of the subject is going to go this way, or you can say, say, you don't have to knock it down to the exact time. In other words, give yourself a little float room, but they know before between this time and before lunch, these are the things that are going to happen. Right mm -hmm. now. And the other thing I don't, I don't know if I, heard myself say this, but 
what you can do is, um, and, and one of you picked up on it, I think, when I was looking at your ideas, the, the sense that um, um, the spending time with your youngest before you start into the, the train moving for the day, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So they get their, I think you, somebody wrote down, get, get their bucket filled, right? They, they, they've had the hugs from mommy, they've had the whatever. I totally agree with that. So having your children working out your, there you have your, your morning schedule, your start of the day part time on your schedule, working that out so that, and your kids' clothes are all laid out, the older ones know exactly how to do it, they, they know where their pajamas go, they know, you know, everything is just down like clockwork, right? But if you, if you have the younger one and you get up and you have that child dressed and ready to go and, and you decide whether you want your other children dressed before breakfast or they get dressed after breakfast or when they help with family work and all of that having to do around breakfast, cleaning up, you decide what works for your family. But in the time that you have with those little ones while the other kids are doing something, either getting dressed or doing their family work or whatever, right? The time that you have with the little one or the little ones, you can actually be um, setting them up for their activities and one or two or more of their activities, right? So one of the activities, for example, that, that I put down was just having these small, you can get small colored rubber bands, maybe they're an inch and a half across or something, right? They're thin rubber bands in different colors, any kind of an Office Depot players or something. And then you can get these different dinosaurs, the plastic dinosaurs, and there's the ones with the long necks and then the triceratops with the fatter head or something, right? So one of the activities can, is just having this little bowl of different colored rubber bands that this child is now um, learning to put on over the necks you know, just pile up these rubber bands on the necks, you know, the little children. For older children, they can, you can specify the red goes on, you know, look under here, he's got a red foot on his, the bottom of his foot, now all the red ones go on here. You can beef it up. But in the morning, you can go, oh, you know what you're going to get to do? When I am working with Ava doing this, right? Here's what you're going to have over here. It's going to be waiting for you right here. Here's your dinosaurs. And what do we know about these dinosaurs? So you're actually giving them kind of a little lesson, talking about the body parts and who's got how many horns and can they, can they say this big name, you know, the triceratops, can you say that kind of thing? And you're actually warming them up to that. You might even have some kind of a little book in that time that's about dinosaurs that, that ties in and go, well, we're reading this book. And yes, and now when Ava is doing this, then you're going to be doing this time, this wonderful time with your little dinosaurs. And, and he knows exactly how to do it. So you're setting up your younger child with awareness of what that activity is ahead of time, maybe giving him a practice try going, it's going to be hard to get this rubber band on that triceratops. His horns are kind of out there, right? And so he gets a little try. Now he's setting up for success to be able to work independently, that word that you've taught him, right? So use the, the morning time that you have with the little ones filling their bucket double duty that with preparing them for some of the activities that you have lined out and planned for them to do for him to do him or her to do so then what happens when milo comes along like sometimes they play really well together naino and milo and then sometimes there are those off days where milo kind of sabotages the whole idea as yeah. a almost two-year-old and he yeah. wants them on is that why you talked about the playpen Yes, the playpen, and but probably for him is now a really, really good time to get him being able to work independently. 
for five minutes, you know, five minutes. He's got, he's, there's two sets of dinosaurs. He's got his bin, he's got, and they need to be quiet, you know, so it's not like noisy stuff, right? But you're, you're working, they can put those little foam pads in the bin so things don't rattle and roll. But he's got his own that he's doing and you're training him ahead of time that, that he's gonna be doing this activity. Now he's maybe might have a five minute play span and then he's done with the dinosaurs, right? But then you can say to him, Mila, you can take the dinosaurs and play out here on the patio or, you know, you could set him up ahead of time so it doesn't disrupt your time. So you can say before they start, um, here's his timer, here's my Noah's timer, right? He's old enough, he can watch that little thing going as soon as that little five minute thing closes, right? That's when you can take your dinosaurs and go out on the patio for a minute. So we got another five minutes to work independently and then you're all you know, alert again and moving on to the next thing. And you're training. Remember, this is not about occupying him and getting him not to mess up my Noah's stuff. You're working on his skills and his character. How are you going to be training him and growing him up? He, if you're doing this right, every child you have in your family will move faster into maturity than the first one. If you're doing it right. So he has a good shot at at really moving into mature behaviors and capabilities more so than even Nanoa did. Mm -hmm. Okay. So think training, not occupying, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not keeping them out of everybody's hair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and one other thing I was talking to, to Liz Cottrell from a delectable education and she was saying, I was like, Ava gets so much of my time. And, and she reminded me, she's like, yes, but the younger boys are going to get the more experienced mom in homeschooling. Yeah. And so she helped me realize, okay, they both get, like, they're not getting the short end of the stick. Like, they're both getting something different. Yeah. And that was helpful. And, and it's, you know, she does get the time, but, um, but it is important to try and figure out how you're getting that individual time with the other kids. And that's why, you know, this is not the season in your life major on the majors. You don't have to plan really fancy meals. You don't have to, you know, the business of how many outings you go on, um, know your metabolism and know who you are. Moms tend to think, huh, when I'm out, I can talk with the other moms on wild and free while the kids run, right? It's actually my time. I love that time because the kids are running and wild and free and, and I get this time, right? So we pick the outings that in a sense are sort of most meaningful and fun for us, right? But, and that's okay, I have nothing wrong with that. But don't overdo it on the outings because you know, really rein yourself in. There'll be outings coming out the wazoo that you can take advantage of, but it messes up the routine in the child's children's hearts and the order. So I would, I would just say, really pick and choose your outings and make sure they're happening at a time when everything else has been peacefully accomplished. It's not disjointed in the days. Um, get the ordered soul for you and for your kids before you start all the hoopla stuff added on top of it. So major on the majors. And, and lighten up on your life. It's not the time to take, do starting to homeschooling, your, your training, three kids and now you decided, well, for my mother culture, I'm gonna take a class at Stanford. <laughs> I'm just going, oh, 
I don't know about your brain, but mine would explode, right? And my body wouldn't handle it. So in a couple of years, yeah, you know, put it in your wish list, but it's probably not the time to start taking on all this other stuff, you know, thinking about how you're going to start a business, unless you're like some whiz bang, you know, do it all mama. And there, they are, you could be those, but it's not, it's sure not most people. Simplify, simplify, simplify. So you have what you need to give and to maintain. Especially when you've got the little ones. Thanks, Jen. Okay. We ready? Yeah, thank night. you. Night, night. Love you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Bye.